is a journey. God has amazing things planned for us. Don't be content. Don't get stuck. Let's chase down all he has for us. Let's walk out every step he calls us to take. Let's together grow in our faith, even when it hurts. <laughs> First try of trying kombucha. <laughs> Spring break, how are we feeling tonight? Dope. Hey, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, I want to say welcome. So stoked you're here. We love that in, who is on spring break right now? It's currently your spring break. Bro, and here you are. You chose to spend one of your nights of spring break here with us at Bridge Youth. And we just love that. We honor that. We value that. And so uh, we want to say if you are brand new, maybe it's your first time ever coming to our church. Maybe this is your first time ever in church. Maybe your friend said, let's go to Starbucks, and they didn't mention the fact that after they got you Starbucks, they're going to drag you to church, and you're like, how did I end up here? What's like, I'm in a, I've, I've, I've never been to church before. What's going on? Dude, you are the coolest person in the room. You're watching online. It's your first time watching with us. You are so, so, so awesome. We like to welcome our guests every single week. It never gets old. We love this so much. We say we are here to build you up, not... Yeah, we are here to build you up, not beat you up. If you got a Bible, does anybody have a paper Bible? Any, just a, how, if you have a paper Bible, let me see. I, lo, I know that's like kind of a dying breed, like not many people have a paper Bible, um, but I don't know. There's, I just love my paper Bible. I have the Bible app too. I'm not like, you know, not ancient or anything, but I love my paper Bible. If you have a Bible, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. For anyone who maybe doesn't know me, my name is Corey. I'm the youth pastor here alongside my awesome wife, Amber, who just did our transition moment, who told you that your hair looked great. It's hilarious because I wore a hat today. I almost never wear hats on Wednesdays, so I don't know if that was on purpose or accident or what, but this is what my hair looks like right now. So you're supposed to tell me what? Oh, stop, guys. Thank you. I'm getting my hair cut on Friday, for the record, getting the Easter cut on Friday. But, um... Yeah, so, so my name's Corey. That's my wife, Amber. We get to uh, lead this crazy thing called Bridge Youth uh, right alongside my not-assistant, J.J. Rodriguez. <laughs> I'm going to change your official title to not-assistant. <laughs> that would be fantastic because he's not my assistant. I don't know where that came from and the fact that I perpetuate the issue by calling him not my assistant. But, hey, we love you guys. We love that we get to do this thing called Bridge Youth. Hey, so this Sunday is Easter. Um, where's... Okay, this is a really quick, like, if you grew up in church, this is your time to shine. VeggieTales and this moment is your time to shine. It's Easter this Sunday, so he is risen. Let's go. All the people who don't go to church are like, you guys are weird. <laughs> like, how did you know to say that? I, it, there's a long story that we're not going to get into. In, in the first century, as I'm getting, I tell you I'm not going to get into it, and we're getting into it. In the first century, right after Jesus had died and rose from the dead, believers, Christians, were being killed for their faith, and so they had to go all, like, covert. Like, you couldn't just go out and be like, yo, I'm a Christian, because then they would kill you, right? So they came up with this code way of figuring out who else was a Christian. The way that they did it was they would go, he's risen. And if someone responded, he is risen indeed, it's like, come on, we're both Christians, cool, we're not going to kill each other, right? And so 
when uh, on Easter, if, uh, if some old granny lady of a Christian, all cute and like probably hunched over with terrible coffee breath, comes up to you and says, hey, hey, little fella, he's risen. You just hit her with, he is risen indeed. I promise you, you will win that little lady's heart. So, he is risen. Man, and this is the pinnacle of our faith, you guys. I know that, like, so many people, we focus on Christmas because, yes, Christmas is dope. I love Christmas. But Easter is the pinnacle of our faith. Without Christ and Christ resurrected, we are nothing, man. We are absolutely nothing. Our faith, Paul said, is meaningless. And this is, like, really like the Super Bowl of Christianity, that Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, without the help of anybody whatsoever, rose from the dead. And he did, he like, this was predicted thousands of years before. It was the ultimate eight ball corner pocket, boom. And he called it thousands of years before. And that's what we're celebrating this Sunday. Can I tell you this? There are a lot of people probably in your world that you know that basically don't ever go to church except for Easter and Christmas. Christmas and Easter. We call them creasters. So invite some people in your world. Here's what we're going to do. In between every service, we're going to be in this room. We're going to be in the youth room. Uh, we're going to have all the games and stuff set up. We're going to be hanging out. So come bring your family, bring your friends. We would love to meet them. Come hang out with us for a little bit between services. Our coffee bar is going to be open. Bean coffee will be served. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. Three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Be there. Invite a friend. Invite all your friends, literally every single person you've ever met in your entire life, even that person that you don't like that you stopped talking to in the seventh grade. Invite them. Why do you have someone in your head right now? Like, you're thinking about somebody. <laughs> all right. Tonight we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Growing Pains. Somebody say Growing Pains. Anybody ever watch the show Growing Pains? I didn't think so. Son of a gun. It was like a 90s show. It was so good. This is a series all about growing together, together growing in our faith. Man, we want to grow in our faith. This is a series all about some of the fundamental, foundational, essential parts of our faith. This series is going to really be in a lot of ways about kind of getting out of the proverbial spiritual high chair. You know, because how many know like when first... Early on in life, you're, you're in a high chair, and, you know, mom and dad spoon feed you baby food. The bananas are fantastic. I'm speaking out of experience. Uh, and, and that's all fine and dandy when you're a baby. But spiritually, so many of us, we just stay in the high chair as if salvation is all that God ever had for us. And we never begin to grow. Can I tell you, this series is called Growing Pains because where's all the boys who like eighth grade, you got those growing pains in your legs hitting your growth spurt. And you're like, I am going to die. Like there is nothing like an entire summer of like growing four inches. And you're like, I'm going to die. Like this hurts so bad. Like what's going on, right? Um, and this series is called that because in a lot of ways, what we're going to try to do is help some of us sort of get out of that proverbial spiritual high chair because it's okay to get spoon fed when you're a baby. But if your mom came and tried to spoon feed you right now, you would like, <laughs> I was going to say you would slap your mama. <laughs> Don't slap your mom. Um, you would slap the spoon out of her hand and be like, lady, what are you doing? Don't spoon feed me. But some of us are doing that spiritually, and we want to help together 
all of us grow. So we're going to dig into some stuff through this series and together grow. Who's ready to grow in their faith, go deeper in their relationship with God? People online, I'm sure that you are. That's why you're tuned in online. Go Raiders. Man, that tastes like excellence. Man, the three agency was good to us. All right, so we're going to be growing in our faith. And here's the thing, is that faith, man, if you're you're taking notes, you might already want to write this down. Faith isn't a destination, it's a journey. And you should never, you should, someone say never. Look at your neighbor, say never. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say it in the same way like on Sandlot when he says forever. And tell him never. You, listen to me, you should never stop growing in your faith. I'm going to say that again. You should never Stop growing in your faith. If you ever stop growing in your faith, something is wrong. I'm ready to grow in my faith. And, and um, uh, through this series, man, as just kind of like another way that we can together grow in our faith, we have created some Bible study content. We heard of so many Bible studies that were going on. Um, people who had stuff organized in parking lots and at coffee shops and in homes. We heard of a ton of people who just with a friend or two were meeting over coffee every week just to talk about God's word and the Bible. And we kind of as a leadership team, we began to recognize that that there was something here and we could kind of help meet a need and just be sort of wind in the sails of those of you who are like, I love gathering around God's word with some friends over some coffee, over lunch, over Chipotle, over Chick-fil-A because it's better than Cane's. 100%. Without the sauce, it's trash. Without the sauce, it is trash. Go get the spicy chicken and throw a piece of pepper jack cheese on it. Half barbecue, half ranch goes crazy. Anyways, and, and we were like, man, we want to just come around the people who are already doing these Bible studies and help you. And so, hey, maybe you're like, I'd love to do a Bible study. I just never felt like I could. Can I tell you, before the end of this message, on our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore, there will be posted Bible study content, everything laid out for you based on the content that I'm going to preach tonight. So you're already taking notes. You're already ready to have some conversation. Having heard the message, you're going to have all this other content that will help you in just facilitating conversation. So if you want to start getting together with a friend or two, maybe right tonight, like after the message, you want to find a spot and just have some conversation, it'll be on our Instagram ready for you. Some of you guys are meeting throughout the week in in coffee shops and at homes, and it'll be on our Instagram. It's a main post, not on our story, ready to be accessed right there. And actually, there's a handful of Bible studies already meeting that I want to just point out really quick. Um, Is Levi here? Levi, is Nathan here? Is Nathan back there? Nathan, Levi, stand to your feet real quick, Nathan and Levi. Nathan and Levi are leading a group. Uh, There's like 4,000 of them already getting together, but you guys are meeting Monday nights. Right? Monday nights, yeah. Uh, Monday nights, typically in the parking lot of Rival is because they're meeting inside Rival, and then they kicked them out because they were, their group was too big. So they're like, fine, we'll just meet in your parking lot. So typically in the parking lot of Rival, they'll meet there. Sometimes they meet at Intaza. But Monday nights, and if you're like, oh, dude, like, Monday nights would work perfect for me. One more time, wave at us. Nathan and Levi, wave at us. Just go hit them up after service. They'll grab your name, your phone number, your Instagram, whatever, and they'll just connect with you. You can roll to their Bible study. I know that my guy, Jake Mojour, <laughs> bonjour, Mojour, Jake Mojour, Jake, just stand up, look at everybody, wave, say what's up. Jake is a longtime Bridge Youth 
family guy. He's currently going to Biola University to uh, be, he's on his way to be a pastor. He's going to be leading one, are you guys doing Thursday mornings? Thursday afternoons around 4 o'clock. They're going to be leading a group at Intaza. If you go to Intaza and they're still serving the Irish cream cold brew, get it. It's fantastic, but you will be jacked, bro. You will be talking all the way through the Bible study. If you don't get that, get the Cafe Carmelo. It's fantastic. But if Thursday afternoons around 4 would work for you, just go see Jake right after. I know his girlfriend Lauren's going to be there too. And I'm just saying that because you're incredibly good looking. And everybody needs to know you have a girlfriend and she's sitting right next to you. Uh, and they are going to be having a group at Intaza, 4 o'clock. Um, they're still figuring it out, but our girl Hannah, Hannah Mingo, where you at? Hannah's right here. There she is. Hannah's going to be having a group with a handful of their people. So if you want to link up with Hannah, you get, maybe you already have a relationship, whatever, go say what's up to Hannah. And uh, she's going to have a group going on. One other one, my, my dude Connor, play basketball with him every single Monday. They already have a group going on. It happens Monday nights after basketball, Connor. I let him know this always has to happen after basketball because you are my shooting guard, okay? Um, they're going to be doing one too. So if Monday later in the night, about 8 p.m., if that works for you, they have one too. If you know Connor, hit him up. And if you're like, dude, I just want to get with some friends and talk about the Bible. I want to talk about these messages that I'm hearing and kind of how I see it working out. Dude, grab a couple friends. I promise you this. Tonight, you'll see the, you'll see the content. Everything you need to have a conversation is going to be there for you on Instagram. On top of that, our Sunday mornings is going to be just digging even deeper and hearing from some of our team members, some of our leaders about what God is speaking on our Wednesday nights. It's absolutely awesome. I'm so stoked for this series, Growing Pains. Now, here's the thing. Um, tonight, we are kicking off the, the whole series with, a, with what I want to title The Starting Line. If you're taking notes, write that down, The Starting Line. If you're newer to your faith and... I know many, uh, many of us here are newer to our faith. This is the perfect night for you. If you, are, if you are like never been to church, you're like, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I don't even know if I believe in God at all. This is seriously the perfect message for you because you'll get to kind of get a little glimpse into what it would look like if you were to start out a faith journey. Now, here's the thing too, though. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, tonight I am going to be challenging a lot of what it is that you believe about the starting line of faith. And so here's your sermon in a sentence. If you're taking notes, write this down. Every journey has a starting line. Every journey has a starting line. In your faith journey, start off on the right foot. Start off on the right foot. One more time. Every journey has a starting line. In your faith journey, start off on the right but here's the thing, so many people start their faith, their faith journey off on the wrong foot, and really ultimately they set themselves up for failure. And so tonight I want to walk through the starting line, some foundations, some essentials of the faith, and I want to kind of help us to start off on the right foot. And some of us who maybe have been following Jesus for a while, who started off on the wrong foot, I want to kind of backtrack us and get us to start off on the right foot. Everybody say right foot. Is anybody left-handed? Anybody in, okay, so this has nothing to do with the message at all, but I was a police explorer, and we did marching stuff, right? And whenever you start marching, you always start on your left foot. In marching, anybody do marching band? Anybody do marching band? Do you start on your left foot when you march? You always start on your left? Why is that? I don't know why. 
Anyways, I know how to about face. Bop. Look at that. All right, now we're going to get to God's word. <laughs> Come on, glory to God, you guys. I know you're so impressed when I just did that. Here, I'll do it right to you as we <laughs> read God's word. Come on. Hey, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? This is an R-rated story about a woman who was sleeping around with somebody who was not her husband. So there's always that. Yeah. And there's public nudity in this story. Uh, and there's some people who wanted to... Uh, who wanted to stone her, not like get stoned, but like throw rocks at her until she died. So don't tell me the Bible's boring. If you think the Bible's boring, you just never read the Bible. And we're going to read 11 verses of completely juicy details about this semi-sketchy woman's life and how Jesus stepped in. And I love this. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus stepped into a moment. Everybody thought he would react one way. And he basically reacted and responded polar opposite. If you got your Bible, we're in John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible for you right there. Here we go. John chapter 8, if you have a, the Bible app, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the NLT. Here it is. Verse number 1 of John 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Who's just not a morning person? God, my gosh, dude. Who is a morning person? wrong with you what's wrong with you I no joke I gradually wake up throughout the day before I go to bed like literally it's time for me to go to bed I'm probably the most awake at that moment right there so early the next morning he was back again at the temple a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them as he was speaking the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees this was kind of like the pastors, preachers, like priests and religious leaders of the day, so incredible what they do. This is crazy. And the Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. If you're newer to church and maybe you don't know what that necessarily means, it means that this woman was caught having slept with a man who was not her husband. Many believe that this woman was a prostitute. And so, yeah, you thought the Bible was boring. No, sir. No, sir. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was, was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Check this out. Verse number 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. Probably not a good idea to try to trap the son of God, the Messiah, who's walking around healing everybody and doing miraculous stuff. It's like, I'm just going to leave that guy alone, let him do his own thing, okay? No, they're trying to trap him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I know what you're thinking. Same thing I was thinking. What is he writing? Is he playing like a killer game of tic-tac-toe? And because he's Jesus and he could do the miraculous, he won both of, like, he didn't just lose and win. X's and O's both somehow won because he's that kind of guy who walks on water and wins no matter what. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, all right, but let one of the, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. This is where the famous saying, um, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's what he said. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. What is he writing? We don't know. It's a mystery. Verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Get the picture. These religious people, they take this woman, and, and they just caught her. It says in the very act of adultery. So probably she is publicly butt naked right here. Butt, everyone say butt naked. I don't know if your parents let you say the word butt. 
but she just did. And if you're watching online and you just said butt in front of your parents and you got whooped because of it, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Uh, she's like, they, they bring her, caught her, and they take her in front of a huge crowd. It says there was a big crowd, a big crowd of people, and they throw her down in the dirt. She's face down in the dirt, probably struggling to cover herself up, trying to, trying to keep her nakedness away from the crowd. And then what they do next is they start telling everybody what she did. Everybody, like, this is what she did. She was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says we should kill her. What do you think, Jesus? And Jesus says, yeah, sure, no problem. Go ahead, throw rocks at her. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone, though. I kind of imagine when he stooped down, what he started doing was writing out the sins of those who were getting ready to throw the rocks. Which would make sense in why that's why they left oldest to youngest. Because the oldest had longer to accumulate more sin. And so, so let's see how Jesus responds to this. Like, this is absolutely incredible. And if, you, if you've never read the Bible, if you don't really know Jesus' character, this will probably blow you away. So now she is face down in the dirt. Maybe that's even realized the crowd's gone, her accusers are gone. It's just her and Jesus. Like if this is a theater setting, Iris, you know what this is like. Everything else goes dark. The spotlight zooms in on Jesus and her. And Jesus doesn't like What's wrong with you? No, he gets down on his hands and knees next to her, comes down to her level. And here's what he says. As the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until it was only Jesus left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, listen to this, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. God, you're so good. Thank you for the way you've blessed the Lakers recently. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone grab a seat. What an incredibly juicy story. If you're a Clippers fan, rest in peace. <laughs> what an incredible story, right? And I think uh, there's a lot here that just points to um, how so many of us, a lot we can learn about starting off on the right or the wrong foot when it comes to our faith journey. Have you ever started off on the wrong foot on any given day? Like you ever just, your day just starts out wrong and you just know it's gonna be bad. Ladies, you ever start your day off burning yourself on a straightening iron or a curling iron? I know this because I used to straighten my hair. I was a raw kid, that's true. I really was. I used to have my lip pierced, my nose pierced, long black hair, all of it, you guys. My chemical romance was everything to me. <laughs> I was so emotional. Um, so not long ago, I actually went and I was, I was preaching at an event at Linfield called Winter Mountain. It was awesome, 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 an amazing week. And literally like day, day number two, I realized I, I have got to, um, I've got to put on sunscreen because we didn't think, but it was hot. It was hot. It was called Winter Mountain. It was like 85 degrees, and, and the whole event was outside. I was preaching where the sun was literally right there. The time of day, the sun was right. All you who go to Linfield, you're welcome. I stared into the sun for 35 minutes as I preached God's word to you, okay? It was a sacrifice of ministry. And the next day, I realized I have got to put on sunscreen because this white boy won't be so white by the end of the week. And so I, I'm putting on sunscreen, and like, most people who are not morning people, who are the not morning people, yeah, so you know if you got to leave at 7, you're waking up at 6.45, okay? So I'm up, I'm like hurrying up and everything, and, and I'm putting on sunscreen, and uh, 
these satellite of ears that I can literally hear Jesus with, um, I always have to put sunscreen on the back of my ears. But because I'm hurrying, I'm like, you know, putting sunscreen on, and I have my ears pierced. And I have small little diamonds on my ears. And you might not be able to see it, but the back of these are like just a circle. And I go like this. You see what I'm wearing on the fourth finger of my left hand? And it catches the back of my diamond and just yanks my freaking diamond through my ear. And I'm like, ah! I scream like, Amber, Amber. She's like, what? I'm like, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but help me. Like, oh my gosh. I'm looking everywhere trying to figure out, like, where the, I thought that what happened was the back had somehow, I don't know how in, like, my panic, this is how my mind comprehended this. I thought the back broke off, fell somewhere, I don't know where, and the little diamond that screws on the front was inside my ear. The little diamond was inside my ear. So I'm, like, I literally have ply, or pliers, uh, tweezers, and I'm in there, like, oh, man, let's try to get eyebrow right there. And then I go back to the diamond. I'm trying to pry it out. And then as I calm down, I realize like, oh, the back is still on there. So I just push it from the back, like back through my ear. I'm like, Pah! and then I just left it and like went about my day. Because <laughs> that's how guys do stuff. <laughs> Girls would be like, you need a peroxide? I'm going to go to urgent care. I'm going to put Neosporin on it. I was like, it should be fine, right? I'm just going to walk it off. I don't know how I walk off an ear injury, but I'm going to walk it off. I started the day off on the wrong foot. Anybody ever, anybody ever start a day off on the wrong foot? And I did, and I still preached fire that day. Linfield, you're welcome. I want to start off our starting line on the right foot. So let's talk about three things tonight. Number one, write this word down, salvation. Salvation. I would love, I would love nothing more than to like one by one just sit down and hear your salvation story. It's actually one of the first questions in our Bible study content. Like, what's your salvation story? How did you get saved? And maybe you're here and you're like, oh, I don't even know what being saved means. Uh, you will by the end of the night, okay? And this might be your salvation story right here. My salvation story is kind of funny. I went to a Christian club at school because there was free pizza. That's pretty much it. <laughs> like, free pizza? I'm there. Like, and I went, and I got free pizza, and also eternal sal salvation over my sins and my debts, and now I get to go to heaven forever. Like, pretty good day for me. <laughs> and, and really, like, to be honest, I was up to a lot of no good, and I was doing everything that, like, a 15-year-old shouldn't be doing. And I pretty much in one day turned from that, and I never really went back. I know that's not everybody's story, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but that's my salvation story. I'd love nothing more than just go down the line and hear every single person's salvation story because we all have different stories and they're incredible but I want to start off on the right foot when it comes to this the woman in John 8 her salvation story isn't isn't simply one of being forgiven for her sins her very life Jesus saved and here's the thing about her having gotten saved by Jesus she was the woman caught in the act of adultery see there's no argument on whether or not she had committed adultery she did we know that. And the law in that day says, yes, that she was supposed to be executed for that. So according to the law and according to what she did, she did not deserve to be saved by Jesus. But guess what? Neither did I and neither do you. Someone's like, wow, he's not very nice. I'm very nice. <laughs> give, me, give me another like 15 minutes. You'll learn to love me. We don't deserve salvation. 
I love the way Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this. It says, for it is by grace. Everybody say grace. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not, everyone say not. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. I want to look at salvation in two ways really quickly. I want to look at it the wrong way and the right way. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Here's the wrong way. Earning and deserving. Earning and deserving. The wrong way is earning and deserving. Now here's the right way. The right way is believing and receiving. Wrong, earning and deserving. Right, believing and receiving. See, our entire world is based on performance. Anybody play sports? Any volleyball players in the room? There's a volleyball player. My wife played volleyball. We call her Amber the Hammer. She has got a mean serve. She might be four foot nothing, but she's got a mean serve. When we had the family time question, four foot or eight foot? She's like, I'm already four foot. <laughs> uh, she's not. She's like five three or something like that. Great volleyball player. Any baseball players in the room? Baseball. I, know, I bag on baseball. I know. I'm so, I love baseball. Here's the fun fact. I, I love baseball, okay? Love it. Love it. Thank God for Mike Trout and all the other baseballs, okay? <laughs> I love all 47,000 regular season games. They're exhilarating. And I love the games that go to like 17 innings because there is no rule about where a baseball game is supposed to end other than the ninth inning. If some, But if it's tied, we will go 147,000 innings. But it's all good because baseball is exhilarating. I really do love baseball. I sound so sarcastic. Um, anybody play lacrosse? Any lacrosse players? I went to a lacrosse game. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so uh, I was like, they keep stopping the game, and I don't know why. Where's the Hoopers at? Any basketball players? Hoopers. Levi, I'll give you buckets seven days a week, all right? <laughs> Absolute bucket. Where's the skaters at? Any skaters? I grew up skating. Love skating so much. Anybody play water polo or swim? Come on now. Fun fact, I did play water polo my junior year. It's the most miserable seven months of my life, bro. It's the hardest sport I've ever played. Here's the thing about sports. Imagine you get on a sports team, and you're just not good. Like, you just suck. What's going to happen? You're going to get put on the bench. What happens if you sit on the bench, and you still just don't do anything? You just suck at this game. You are not practicing. You're not good. You're not putting any points up. Nothing. You're not any, doing any of the baseballs. Nothing. Like, none of it's happening. What are you going to do? You're going to get cut from the team. Well, what happens if you get a job and you show up late every day and, and, you, and you just don't like, you, you're not performing. You're terrible at your job. Your job is to like flip the burgers at In-N-Out and you're like, I put it on there and I don't know what's next. And they're like, just flip the thing and then throw cheese on it. And you're like, I just don't really, I don't want to, you know, that's the thing. You're getting fired from that job, right? Imagine, Imagine for a moment, like, you get into a relationship, and some of you imagine that way too much, okay? But imagine you're getting into a relationship, and our series, What You Know About Love, did not help, okay? Um, you get into a relationship, and imagine, like, you are just a terrible boyfriend or girlfriend. Anybody ever have a terrible boyfriend or girlfriend? Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been a terrible boyfriend or girlfriend? <laughs> Everybody online is raising their hand, okay? <laughs> we're like, we're online because we believe in long-distance relationships. Us too. We love you. Uh, like, what? What's going to happen? You're going to get dumped. Like, you are going to get broke up with. That's what's going to happen. If you, where's all the seniors at? Where's class of 2021? Good Lord. What? 2021. We should have flying cars by now. What happens if you 
get a scholarship, and you go to said university, you get there and you don't study. You don't do your work. You don't do your homework. You don't do anything. And you are getting like a negative 2.0. What's going to happen? Your scholarship is going to get revoked and you're going to get kicked out of school. See, this is how the world works. We are a completely performance-based society, culture, and world. But it's not like that with God. And I know that some of us, we started our salvation journey out by like, I know it's a gift from God, and I've received that gift. Now what can I do to earn it? And you started off on the wrong foot. There's nothing you can do. Nothing at all. No, but I have to, right? Like, oh, man, he got me this gift, and it's so great, and I've got to do something to earn it and deserve it and show him that I'm deserving of it. No, you can't, and there's nothing you can do. That's basically the end of this point. (laughs) It's not. There's a lot more to it, but... That's basically it. You can't, deserve, you can't deserve salvation. You can't earn salvation. You never could. It's not performance-based. If you don't do well, you're not cut from the team. That's not how it works. It's just not. And I've seen it play, like, play out like this a lot with, with young people. Where someone will come to Bridge Youth and they'll, for the first time ever, jump into a relationship with God. They'll jump into a relationship with Jesus. They'll raise their hand at the end of service. They'll pray the prayer. All of it. And then they'll, they'll be on fire for God, and they'll just, like, be pursuing. They'll be at church every week, every single Wednesday, every single Sunday, every single event. It's like we can't get rid of them, you know. They're at everything all the time. They're commenting on every single Instagram post that we put up. And then out of nowhere, for almost no reason, we don't even know why, they just disappear. And then six, seven months down the line, I run into them at the mall. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so good to see you. Like, we miss you, and, and where have you been? And Nine times out of ten, that conversation goes something like this. Here's the thing. I tried the God thing. It's so funny when people call it the God thing. Like, yeah, the God thing, you know, just what my entire life is based off of and literally what my eternal security is based on, the foundation of every decision that I've ever made in my entire life, the God thing. <laughs> I tried the God thing, and it just didn't work out for me, a.k.a. They got saved. They gave their life to Jesus. They were doing so good. Things were going well. And then in one moment, on one night, on one weekend, they were invited to this one party, the same type of parties that they used to go to. And then they went to that party. And then knowing that they probably shouldn't have gone to that party, they're there. And then they end up making some decisions that they know they shouldn't be making. And they kind of fall back into their old ways for one moment, on one night, and one day. And that's it. And then they go, ah, man, like the God thing didn't work out for me. I messed up. Therefore, I must be cut from the team. Can I tell you, that is not how God works. And I know so many young people that that's how they think God works. Oh, I became a Christian, and then I did something that wasn't so Christian. So now I must not be a Christian. It's not how God works. Because there is no, I I remember back in school, did you guys, like we used to actually legitimately get the gold stars, you know? There was actually gold stars that they put next to people's names in class. I never got any gold stars ever, like ever, ever, ever. I used to take other people's gold stars and put it over by my name, but the little gold stars would rip, you know, as you try to peel them off. And so I just had ripped gold stars next to my name. There are no gold stars in heaven. I love this. I was talking with my friend Jake. uh, when When did we meet up? Monday? Was it Monday, Tuesday? Was it yesterday? Oh my gosh, that was yesterday. It feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> and we were talking about how, you know, it's almost like, you remember when you're a kid and you're growing and, and you go to the door frame and you do the little pencil mark thing, the shoop, 
and you got like the pencil, and then you're like, oh my gosh, like I've grown so much, I'm so tall. And then your brother comes along, and it's like, pink. Or for some of you, your sister comes along, and it's like, pink. And you're like, oh man, I'm so... Man, I was, I was telling Jake, I was like, it's like that, there is no spiritual that, right? And he's like, yeah, right? It's more like you just take that and you turn it sideways because everyone's just on a different path and a different journey and in a different place. I was like, that will freaking preach, Jake. And I told him I wasn't going to give him credit, but I just did. And that is more, there is no performance base when it comes to our relationship with God. You can't sin your way out of salvation. It doesn't work that way. Because if it's a gift that was given to you, it's a gift you didn't pay for. You actually could never afford this gift. And God gave it anyways. So here's the thing. You just simply have to believe and receive. You cannot earn and deserve. Christians, I want to talk to the Christians here for a moment. I am coming for you, Christians. This series is called Growing Pains for a Reason. But I love you so much, okay? Christians, do not, someone shout not. Come on, shout it one more time. Say not. All right, one more time. Say not. Do not ever, 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 forever, ever, forever, ever, do not ever, ever get tired of salvation. Never. You should never get tired of salvation. I have committed to the Lord that pretty much every time I'm ever put in front of a group of people with the microphone, I will give an opportunity for people to receive salvation and give their lives to Jesus. This is why almost every single Wednesday night, you're going to see me give what we call either a salvation call, an altar call, or an appeal at the end, which is an opportunity to receive salvation. Those of you who, in the, who are in the room or online who have never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, Yes, you will get that opportunity tonight. Those of you who have friends who don't know Jesus, if you bring them, I will give them an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And if ever we get to that moment in service and you as a Christian go, here we go again. No, Corey, I'm not going to repeat the words right after you. I'm going to say them right along with you because I've heard this so many times. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. Like, and you're just like, here we go again, at this again. If that, if you are ever, ever annoyed with salvation, check your heart. Because here's what happens in heaven when anybody gets saved. It is an all-out party. Like crazy, gnarly, all the angels are going, <laughs> all the angels are going crazy. There's dancing, there's music. They talk about, like, horns in heaven. Like, I don't know if there's, like, I don't know if, like, the music in heaven updates. Like, if it's more contemporary nowadays or something. And it's, like, a synth. Or I hope it's, like, more like a synth than a horn. But, like, there's a party in heaven. We should always, like, be so ecstatic and so excited to see somebody get saved. Here's why. Listen, listen. Some of you who have been saved for a long time, you've never heard this. You've never realized this. But this is true. Salvation is the only eternal miracle. Think for a moment. We, we believe in miracles. We believe, anybody else still believe God is a miracle-working God? I believe it. I have a friend who recently, in just the past couple days, he had a heart attack, and we've been praying for him. And we got an amazing report back from him that he's doing so much better. He could be going home any day. They thought they'd be in the hospital for weeks, and he's going home any day now. I believe God is healing him right now. That's what I believe. But can I tell you this? Like, every physical healing, it's temporary. If you break your arm, I pray for your arm, and God heals your arm. That arm could break again. Think about Lazarus. 
in the Bible, Lazarus is a guy who died. Jesus prayed, he, got ro- he, he rose from the dead. Lazarus done died again. <laughs> Poor Lazarus had to die twice. It's like, he was dead, he's in heaven, he's like partying with Jesus and stuff like this. No, Jesus was on earth. He's partying with God and the angels, Gabriel and Michael, and hanging out in heaven. And all of a sudden, it's like someone grabs his ankle and like pulls him back down to earth. And he's like, ah, oh, guys, <laughs> I was in heaven. It was super dope. <laughs> This is like first century Palestine. It's super hot down here. <laughs> There's not even indoor plumbing. I want to go back. Like, and then he had to die again. Think about every miracle is temporary, but salvation is the only eternal miracle. Now get this, get this. We get to see that miracle every single week at Bridge Youth. Because people every week are giving their lives to Jesus. Their eternity is turning around. They're heading in one direction, going in a different. Man, that is amazing. You should never get tired of it. I was just having a conversation uh, with a few students, and we started talking about how Kanye West recently kind of came back to the Lord, gave his life to Jesus. He's been following God, and, and I just kept on hearing Christians. I kept on hearing believers say this, and if I, dude, I, if I heard one more person say this about Kanye and him having given his life to Jesus, I was going to lose my mind, and they kept saying, oh yeah, no, we'll see. Like, yeah, of course we'll see. Like, you don't even have to say that. Of course we'll see. It's like, oh, yeah, no, the sun will come up tomorrow. We'll see. Of course, like, you don't have to say that. And why would people, so many people say that? They're saying that because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy who's, like, super rich and a rapper. And did you hear that one album right before Jesus is King? You hear the type of stuff he said on that? Yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. Your attitude about someone getting saved, Christians, should never, ever, ever be, we'll see. No, it should be, yes, this is amazing. You gave your life to Jesus. It's the best decision you could ever make with your life. I'm so excited for you. I'm sorry if I'm so excited that you're feeling a little awkward. I'm just so stoked. Like, we are going to hang out in eternity together forever. This is going to be sick. Like, 10,000 years with me, who wouldn't want that, right? You should be stoked, and that is it. You should never get annoyed with salvation, ever. Your attitude should never be, oh, oh, we'll see. And now, one more thing, Christians. I'm sorry, I'm coming for you, Christians. You've got to realize, just because you sin less doesn't mean you're sinless. Just because you sin less doesn't mean you're sinless. And no matter how long we walk with Jesus, we will never deserve him or what he did for us. And the closer we get to him, the more we should realize that. So let's start off on the right foot when it comes to salvation. See, it's not about what you've done. It's about what he did for you. It's not about, it's not about behavior modification. It's about life transformation. It's not about becoming a better person. It is about becoming a child of God. It's not about becoming good. It's not about you or I becoming a good person. It's about dead people coming to life life. It's not about earning and deserving. It's about believing and receiving. Last thing here under salvation. Some of you in the room who aren't believers, you're not a Christian, you don't yet follow Jesus, you might be thinking, okay, I really, really like what I'm hearing. How? Like, how can I, how can I get saved then? Here's how. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Here's what it says. Really, really cool verse. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If you, someone say you, someone say you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with, mouth, with, your, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So here's what it is. Break it down. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's the starting line of salvation. And yes, it is that easy. There is no fiery hoops to jump through. You don't get your act together and then come to God. You just confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God rose him from the dead and you'll be saved. That is the starting line. And you're going to have that opportunity in just a few moments. But let's move on to point two really quick. Write this word down. Write down conviction. Conviction. So we have salvation, now we have conviction. These next two points are going to be quite a bit shorter, but in no way less important. John chapter 16 and verse 8, it says, and when he comes, he will convict. Everybody say convict. It's really important that you remember that word convict and realize it's not a negative, it's very much a positive. He will convict the world of its sin, and he will convict the world of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Judgment not being a bad thing, judgment being a good thing in that the coming judgment is the return of Christ and God bringing home his kids into heaven. Conviction is something that I think so, so, so many people who follow Jesus get wrong. They start off on the wrong foot. And it can really become the framework of your relationship with God. And so I really want to start off on the right foot when it comes to conviction. I want you to write this down right here. This is really important. Conviction always brings you closer to God. Write that down. Conviction always brings you closer to God. If you're, if you're watching online at home, write that down. Conviction always brings you closer to God. Notice the conviction that Jesus brings to the woman in John 8. He says in verse number 11, when she says, no, Lord, no one's condemned me. Jesus then replies, neither do I. Here's the conviction. Go and sin no more. Go sin no more. Jesus pulls her up out of the dirt. He doesn't push her face further into it. See, some of you didn't realize that about our God. You thought that our God was, was a God that wanted to put shame on you and make you feel so worthless and disgusting and sinful and you're terrible and you can never deserve my love and you're so puny and I'm so amazing and you're just trash and I'm this phenomenal God. No, literally, and if you ever, 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 this, is, this, it, this isn't even in my notes, but this is so important. If you ever want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus and his life. If you ever want to know how God would respond to someone in any given situation. Just look at Jesus. Here's Jesus with a woman caught in such terrible sin. And the conviction he brings is, okay, well, I'm, I don't condemn you. I actually stopped everybody from condemning you. I, I saved you. There's salvation. I saved you. You didn't deserve it, but I did. I saved you. And I don't condemn you. So just, you know, just go and sin no more. And he brings that conviction. Let's look at the right and the wrong way to look at conviction. Uh, conviction. Here's wrong. Write down this word condemnation. C-O-N-D-E-M nation. <laughs> condemnation. Condem condemnation pulls you away from God. That's the wrong way. Here's the right way. Conviction, it brings you closer to God. I'm going to break down what condemnation looks like, and I think that the vast majority of the room is going to immediately relate to this. Here's what I know about you. You've experienced this just like I have. Condemnation is when you've messed up, you've fallen short. Because yes, you have. So have I. Raise your hand if you've ever messed up at anything ever. Yeah. Here at Bridge Youth, when we ask that question, those of us who call Bridge Youth home are typically the ones that get our hands in the air first. Like, yep, me. Like, if we have anything in common, it's that we love Jesus and we are screwed up. Okay? Uh, we need Jesus. Right? I, I know this about you. You've messed up like I have. And when you have, you've experienced condemnation. 
that plays out something like this. You lay your head down on your pillow at night. Anybody say pillow? Where's the pillow people at? I do. It is what it is. Judge me. I don't care. I'm a preacher. I have the mic. You don't. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, right after you drink your warm milk. <laughs> See how I asked you if you've ever messed up in life? I have milk. Well, what, well, what happens? Most of us who are believers, it's like, even if you never pray, like you don't pray, you're like, you're like just the kind of, I only pray semi-religiously in certain times. I just pretty much pray all day about all types of things all the time. Um, these shoes that I'm wearing are a product of prayer because they were on JJ's feet and I wanted them. And I was like, God, I want those shoes. Put it on JJ's heart to sell them to me. And then he did. Okay. So I just pray about everything. All right. And if you don't pray about everything, but you do pray, typically you'll pray twice, before you eat and before you go to bed. But here's how condemnation often plays out. You mess up, you lay your head down at night on your pillow, and right before you go to sleep, you think to yourself, I almost always pray, but not right now. Because I just did this. Or it plays out like this. You're here at Bridge Youth, and, and whether you're uh, staying in your seat or you're one of my favorite people in the world, and you come down front for worship with us, and you go, I'm, I want to lift my hands and I want to worship but I'm not going to. Because if I do, I'm just such a hypocrite because this week I messed up like this or I did this or I did that. And so if I lift my hands and if I worship, then I'm just a hypocrite. And what happens is because of a mistake you've made or because you've sinned in some sort of way, condemnation comes in. It makes you feel shameful and guilty and dirty and unlovable and like just like almost like ugly on the inside. And it slowly but surely pulls you further away from God. Oh, don't pray. Oh, yeah, no, you always pray before you go to bed, but not right now because you just looked at that on your phone. Don't pray. Oh, don't lift your hands. Are you kidding me? Because that person, three people over, they were at the same party you were at. And they're going to see you lift your hands. And you're going to be, they're going to know you're a hypocrite. You're going to look like such a hypocrite. Don't, don't raise your, in fact, stop singing these words. Stop having a moment with God. That's condemnation. Condemnation will always pull you further and further away from God. Here's what conviction is. Anybody ever been to the beach and get caught in a riptide? Any surfers? Any surfers in the room? If you, I love surfing. I'm, oh, gosh. It is one of my favorite things in the entire world is surfing. And I've been caught in a riptide before, and it can be pretty scary. Here's conviction. Help me! A lifeguard! And if you're a lady, you're like, lifeguard, oh, my gosh. I'm going to need mouth to mouth. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Squints from Sandlot. He was on to something, bro. <laughs> Conviction is, I'm drowning. There's nothing I can do about this. Help me. What, what, what happens when you're drowning? You realize your need for the lifeguard, and you just call out for him. And what, what do you do? When he starts swimming to you and you're sinking, you're like, I'm about to die. Like, you don't wait for him to get to you. You get to him as quick as you can. You get, as, you get to the lifeguard as quick as you can. Here's what conviction does. It makes you realize your need for a savior and draws you closer to him. Oh, man, I just messed up so bad. Oh, it's a really good thing Jesus died on the cross for me. Let me get over to him real quick. You know what I've done? Maybe you should do this. And, and uh, Look. Some cranky religious Christian, probably watching online, not here in the building, maybe they're, they're from a different church, not the bridge, a different church, and they just happen to be spectating online, who's cranky and kind of religious. They're going to hate that I say this because there is a place for sorrowful repentance. Yes, for sure. Like, cry about your sin for a moment and then get up and move on, okay? But here's the thing. Instead of, this is what I've started doing. Instead of sitting there and like wallowing, 
in my wallowing in my sin, and I'm so bad. You said forever, and I'm like, Jeff Lopez, he's cheap. It's the worst ever. I, I, don't, I know some of you guys know that girl. I'm like, I did not mean to sound mean to her or whatever. Tell her to come to Bridge Youth. I'll introduce her to Jesus. She'll get saved. It'll all be good. She'll become a famous worship leader, okay? Um, I don't just sit there like, I'm so bad. I'm so I'm the worst ever. I'm, so, I'm just an ugly person on the inside. I'm so ugly. Gosh. No, I don't do that. You know what I do? Oh, dang, like I messed up. God, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy and that your mercies are new every single day. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. And that over there, let's just forget about that. Jesus, thank you that you did everything that needed to get done. Because here's what I think happens when we just sit over here and we're just so focused on our sin. We're giving our sin too much credit. And sometimes we're even going, sin, you are bigger and more powerful than what Jesus did on the cross. Conviction will lead you to the cross. Condemnation will pull you away from it. Conviction will always lead you closer to God. Condemnation will take you. Now, here's the thing. Some of you didn't know this. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He told this prostitute woman with her face in the dirt, hey, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she goes, no one. And he goes, oh, cool. Oh, neither do I condemn you. I love this. Following the most famous Bible verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16, John 3.17 says this. It says, for God did not, someone say not. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That is groundbreaking for some of you because you thought that Jesus came to condemn the world. He did not. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what Jesus did. But have you ever noticed how the enemy before a mistake, he'll, he'll go, no big deal. It's no big deal. Just do it. And then you make the mistake, and he's like, that was such a big deal. You're terrible. <laughs> Don't listen to him. That's condemnation. Listen, listen to conviction. Listen to conviction. Stop beating yourself up and get your face out of the dirt. I'm going to say this, and you might want to write it down. And some of you, you might not want to write it down. You might just want to let it sink in for a moment. God has forgiven you so you can forgive yourself. Move forward. Here's my final point as the band heads up. We have salvation, we have conviction. Let's talk for a moment about repentance. Acts chapter three, verse number 19. It says this, it says, repent. Everybody say repent. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I love this. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Some of you, you are stressed out beyond belief and you don't know why. Maybe you just need to repent, because if you did, there'd be times of refreshing that would come. Uh, this is really important, and I hope you hear it. I'm telling you to write down a lot, but perhaps write this down. We should not be shame-driven. We should be spirit-led. We should not be shame-driven. We should be spirit-led. Let's do the same thing with this as we did with salvation and, and conviction. Let's go with the wrong way and the right way. Here's the wrong way. Everybody say, wrong that's, what, yeah, that's, that's, how we, that's how we talk to our dogs. That's the command when we don't want them to do something. We go, wrong. Okay, here we go. Wrong, feel bad, and say sorry. That's repentance. That's what most people think repentance is. Oh, man, I did that. Oh, I feel really bad. God, I'm sorry. I repented. No, <laughs> that's not repentance. At least it's not the repentance that we get in Scripture. It's part of the story. That's wrong, partially wrong. Here's right. It's 180-degree turn. Where's all my skaters at? Where's the skateboarders at? Snowboarders. Where's the snowboarders at? Snowboarding. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> snowboarders are a whole different type of person. Okay, if you are a snowboarder, skater, even if you're, if you're a surfer, you know what a 180 is. If you're not, you might not know what a 180 is. So here's a 360, right? If I'm going this way, boom, 360, I'm still going in the same way. If I 180, that means I'm doing this, and then I stop and I turn around and I'm doing this. That is the biblical picture of repentance. It is that you're going this way, and you stopped, you did a 180, and you go the other way. Is that not what Jesus told the woman in John 8? He said, oh, cool, I don't condemn you, so just go and sin no more. Another version says, go and turn from your life of sin. Another version says, go and turn from your sinful ways. That's repentance. It's just you're going one way, you stop, you 180, you remember my about face, bam, like that is, I want all of you, every time you ever think about repentance, to think about me doing an about face, boom, where's all the ROTC nerds at, let's go. Um, I want you to picture that, because that is what repentance is. It's you're here, and you turn around, and you go the other way. It's not just feeling sorry and going, my apologies, good Lord. (laughs) Is that part of it? Sure, it's a part of it, but it's just not the whole biblical picture that we get for repentance. One version in John 8 says, go sin no more. Another version says, go and leave your life of sin. Another version says, go and turn from your life of sin. But for the life of me, I cannot find the version that says, feel like scum. You're the worst. Wallow in your own crapulence. I don't know what that means, but I heard it on The Simpsons one time. (laughs) Be so, so sad. And so broken. And never get up from that place. Don't just put your face in the dirt. Drive your face further. Literally eat dirt. (laughs) That's not, I can't find that version. Jesus met this woman exactly where she's at. And the first thing he does is get rid of everybody. And in fact, he doesn't just go and see her and be like, yeah, better get get yourself up here to my level. No, the first thing he does is like, oh, let me just come down here. I'm going to draw you a little picture. Check this out. Ha ha. Like, I don't know what he drew. Nobody does. It's a mystery, and it just, like, haunts my dreams, okay? But, like, Jesus came down to her level. He, he went to her. He brought her up. And, and, and really, he challenged the judgment others had on her, probably her perspective about herself. And he just, he met her at rock bottom. Can I tell you, God will meet you at rock bottom, but he loves you way too much to leave you there. Man, like, don't stay there. Repentance is how you turn around. Christians, Christians, I'm coming for you again. There's a reason this series is called Growing Pains. Stop getting upset when sinners get up too quick. And she hasn't done that for 10 days and her life has changed. Oh my gosh, as Christians, what if we just said, that's amazing. And we get mad. Why do we get mad at, at sinners for getting up too quick? Don't forget that the apostle Paul was Saul, and he was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians. And then Jesus blinds him and knocks him off his horse because Jesus has a sense of humor. He's like, sucker. <laughs> He's like, it's going to kill Christians, huh? I'm going to push you off your horse, and I'm going to change your name to what? Something really cool because I don't like Saul. Nah, Paul. <laughs> like, what? And within days... Saul, a murderer of Christians, becomes Paul and is standing before thousands preaching the gospel. Don't get mad at sinners for getting up too quick. 
those of you who have something to repent for, this is just what it is. Oh, man. And then, and then Jesus intervenes and says, ah, there's nothing else left for you down this road. But what if you turned around and went that way? Because that's the direction I'm going. And you go, that looks way better. I'm just going to go that way. That's repentance. And I would venture to say that most of us did not start off on the right foot when it came to repentance. We thought it meant, oh, I got to feel disgusting and terrible and shameful and just realize how much of a horrible, terrible, sinful, disgusting person I am. Yeah, but Jesus died for you. He looked at you, and if it was just you, and if it was nobody else, if it was only you, he still would have came and died on a cross for your sins. That's how much he values you. Here's the thing. Shame and guilt aren't very good motivators, but the kindness of God is a great motivator. That's why Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, and repentance is a 180-degree turn. Let me ask you a challenging question you might want to write down. What do you need to 180-degree turn from in your life right now? Because here's the thing. You don't just try really, 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 really hard to not sin. I'm going to try so hard to not sin. I'm trying to not do this. What are you focusing on? Your sin. Instead, just focus on Jesus. Just fall more and more in love with him, and then probably that stuff will just sort of fade away behind you. Here's the thing is that he will also strengthen you to do it. So you just focus on him, lean into him, ask him to strengthen you, and then you might mess up. Cool, just get up. And you might mess up, no problem, get back up. And you might mess up, just get back up. And then you might mess up, just get back up. You might mess up again, no problem, just get back up. I'm going to keep saying this until you get it. You might mess up again, no problem, just get back up. And then you're going to mess up again. Just go, God, thank you so much for your grace and get back up. And then you might mess up again. And then just go, God, thank you so much for your forgiveness and then get back up. And you might mess up and fall again. No problem, just get back up and then just, God, thank you for your love. Get back and you might mess up again and then go, God, thank you that where, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And then you just get back up. And then you fall and you get back up. And you fall and you get back up. And then you fall and then you get back up. And realize that is why Jesus died on the cross. And I know there's some people in the room right now who you, you've been a Christian for a long time. And you're kind of like, wait, no. We're supposed to try really, really, really really, really hard to not sin. Then why did Jesus tell this woman, oh, neither do I condemn you. Just go and sin no more. We don't know for sure, but many Bible scholars believe that this woman was who we would later come to know as Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute in her previous life and became one of Jesus' closest followers. So when Jesus said to this woman, go, sin no more, it seems like perhaps she responded by saying, okay, and by go, I'm just going to follow you. And then her life of sin fell behind her as she followed Jesus. Because that's what repentance looks like. What do you need to repent from tonight? Here's the thing. Every journey has a starting line. And in your faith journey, start off on the right foot with salvation, conviction, and repentance. And I want to do something tonight. I want to together, as this series, Growing Pains, is all about us together 
as a family, growing in our faith. I want to walk through each one of these together tonight. So the first one is this, it's salvation. What's your salvation story? It might be getting written, wrote, written down, rotten, written, written, did. It might be, it, God might currently have his hand on a pen and writing out the words. <laughs> your, your salvation story might be playing out right now. Mine was when I was 15 years old at my high school because there was free pizza. There's many. JJ's was this room right over there, sitting in one of those chairs. There's many of you who your salvation story is written down in this room right here. And we're going to walk this first one out together. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? It's a public setting, but a private moment. And if that's you and you would say, yeah, Pastor Corey, that, that is me. And I, I've never given my life to Jesus, but man, I want to right now. Like, I don't know what it is, but the moment I closed my eyes and I bowed my head, my, my, my heart started beating. Can I tell you, that's the Holy Spirit. He, the Bible says he knocks on the door of our hearts. And if we would open that door, he would come in. This is your moment. This is your time. Your salvation story is being written right now. And if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to be saved, you want, you want to know that the day that your eyes close on this planet, that you'll be opening your eyes in heaven. If you want that confidence, this is your opportunity. This is your moment. I'm going to ask you to respond in a, in a very specific way. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand and then you can put it right back down. And I just really believe that uh, when we respond on the outside, it's like that starting line. It's like, the, it's like that, that gunshot in a, in a race where boom, now we've started. That is the moment you're raising your hand right now. And that's the only reason I ask. And I just want to know who it is that I'm praying for. So with every head bowed, every, eyes, every eye closed, if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, when I get to three, you raise your hand. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Man, a bunch of hands going up all over the place. You respond the same way online. If you're online, just lift a hand, put it right back down. I don't see your hand there online, but God sees it. So cool. Hey, what we're going to do is we're going to pray right now. Maybe you didn't lift your hand and, and you want to just be included in this prayer. You can, you can be included. God sees your heart. But we're a family, and so we're going to pray together. We said we're going to walk these three things out together right now. So together, let's pray this. Would you repeat these words right after me? Christians, we are so excited. People's eternity is being shifted and changed right now. Repeat these words right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything, and I repent. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. No turning back, no looking back. Thank you for receiving me, and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Let's welcome people into God's family right now. Hey, congratulations. So proud of you. That's the best decision you could ever make with your life. There's a reason this crowd is applauding for you. They're so excited for you. And 
and we want to walk this journey out with you. So just really quick, because we got two more points to track through there. Uh, if you just raised your hand, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, if you're online, if you're here, we want to walk something out with you. We have a free gift for you called The Next Seven Days. And these are just seven videos that we want to get to you that will help answer some questions that you might have. And so to get those videos super simple, just DM us the word next seven to at bridge YTH underscore and we'll handle the rest. We feel like it's our responsibility to hand in hand walk this next week of your faith journey out with you and help you start off on the right foot. One more time, can we welcome people into God's family? Amen. All right, there's two more things, and um, I'm going to sit down, team. You guys do what you want, but I'm going to sit down. And, and a lot of times, this would be the moment where we, Jaden, this spot's for you, buddy. Um, this would be the moment where I'd say, hey, stand to your feet. If you want to come to the front, you can, and, and uh, you know, let's take this moment to worship God, and we're going to worship God in a second. Um, but I'm sitting down because I want to, for a moment, all of us to have an introspective moment. And I know for some of you, that's a big word, um, self-reflective moment. I want us all to look in the proverbial mirror and ask God one of the most dangerous prayers that you could ever pray. God, would you convict me? And here's the thing. I think right now in this moment, Here's what's going to happen. There's people who just gave their life to Jesus, or maybe you're new to your faith. You're going to experience genuine, real conviction for the very first time. There's others who have been following Jesus for a long time, and you've experienced a ton of condemnation, a ton of guilt, and a ton of shame, and a ton of, I'm so messed up. And you're going to experience genuine conviction for the first time. And what it's going to be is God's just going to say, hey, you see that? That's not good for you. And I want you to turn from it. And then we're going to walk out the next step of repentance. And so would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? However you want to um, process this moment, if you want to right there, just, just lift your hands right out in front of you. Everybody right out, right out loud, right after me. Would you say this? Say, dear Jesus, would you convict me? Now let him speak to you right now. That still, small voice. It's not condemning. That voice that's not making you feel small or stupid or worthless, but the voice that's making you realize how loved you are, how amazing you are, how how many phenomenal plans God has for you and this thing that he's convicting you about right now, it's just something that's getting in the way of those plans. And that voice that wants the absolute best for you. So what he's pointing out is something that's just not what's best for you. And God, in this moment, we just thank you for your gentle nudge of conviction. And we're gonna respond to you. In Jesus' name. Hey, would you stand to your feet if you want to head to the front for worship? Go ahead and throw on a mask, head to the front. No one distracting anybody. If you just want to stand right there where you're at and worship from your seat, that's totally fine too because there's, there's one more thing that we're going to walk out. And that's a 180-degree turn of repentance. 
And for many of you, you've had a lot of moments of just feeling sorry and saying sorry, but you haven't really turned from sin all that much. Would you guys have a favor if you're at the front to worship? Would you move forward just a little bit to give people room behind you? Cool, cool. I totally didn't plan to do this, but um, like I, I feel such a moment of lighthearted repentance about to happen. Not what you usually have walked out and been like, gosh, I'm so terrible, you're the worst, and I feel so bad. And then you feel bad for like six months and you can't get past it. And you're just like, your, your own self-perspective is starting to get distorted and you don't even like who you see in the mirror anymore. That's not, and that's not conviction, that's condemnation, that's not repentance, like, uh, no. And repentance, I think, is more like, hey, go, sin no more. You're like, oh, cool, huh? and you turn around. This is so freaking dorky, but this is how I, this is how in this moment I see this, this moment playing out. <clears throat> Me and the singers are going to do it. Band will end up knocking stuff over and breaking their guitars and stuff. But let's do this. On the count of three, everybody turn around and face the opposite, opposite direction. One, two, three, go. Okay, one more time. One, two, three, go. I know that that ended up being a 360, but you just did two 180s, okay? Man, sometimes God, like, in, in really spiritual moments, he calls us to do just a regular old physical something and you just you had two 180s right there and I think in your heart some people just turn from the very thing you know God just convicted you from in your own heart would you do me a favor would you close your eyes would you lift your hands I'm gonna pray for you one more time and we're gonna respond in worship God you are so good God you're so good and you're so faithful so amazing we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the salvations that just happened. People whose eternities were just changed. We thank you, Jesus, that when we didn't deserve it, when we couldn't earn it, you saved us anyway, simply because we believed in you and we received you. How we thank you for your gentle conviction of how you just nudge us in the right direction. And we choose to respond to that tonight and turn from all the things that, God, they just don't, they are no good for God, you're so good. We worship you. You're a good father. You cast out all fear. There's no fear in a relationship with you. We love you so much, God. And tonight, we just worship you. We honor you. We lean into you, God. You're so good. Come on, just worship him right there where you're at, Bridge Youth. Even there online, just worship him. Hands lifted. God, you're so good. We praise you and we honor you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. Come on, worship me. Come on, just sing it out. Of deliverance from my enemies to all my fears are gone. Sing. You lift that up, sing it out. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. Thank you for that, Jesus. May you call us children. Beloved, we love you and worship you too. So from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love 
says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, therefore they are a new creation. And I want to say this. I love the words of the song because we are no longer held by our sin, but now we are held by the hands of a loving father that deems us children 
of God. And so I don't know about you, but I saw a couple of hands go up during the altar call. So can we rejoice that the family in heaven just got a little bit bigger? What an amazing start to our new series, Growing Pains. Hey, if you guys gave your life to Christ, we don't want to just end with a um, confession today, but we want to follow up with you for the next seven days. And so on the screen, you're going to see the next seven days. DM us. Don't be shy. Put some more and DM us in our things. And we want to walk out the next seven days with you and be cheesy, corny Christians as we grow together. Not only that. Bible study for all the Bible nerds, me included, being one of the biggest Bible nerds. Guys, we're going to have the Bible study posted as soon as service is over. Hey, actually, if you want to join a live Bible study right after you're like, JJ, times after you do not work for me other than Wednesday nights, I'm going to be doing one of the Bible studies for like 30 minutes right after service. If you want to join me in the leadership room, literally, I have not planned for anyone to join my group. I've literally just left it open. If anyone wants to join, boy or girl, come join, and we're going to grow more in Jesus. Also, the amazing Jackson and Rachel, I'm not sure where my brothers and sisters in the Lord are, but they as well will be hosting a Bible study directly right after service. And so if you want to uh, hear the words of God and talk about it with me or with them. Join us right after service. If not, this Sunday is Easter Resurrection Sunday. Hello. He is risen. We have a cross in the middle of the foyer. If you're wondering why isn't Jesus on that cross, it's because he is risen. Hallelujah, somebody. You ain't going to find him on the cross. But anyways, it is going to be an amazing Sunday. Invite your friends, invite your fish, invite your dogs, invite everybody, because everybody about to get saved this Sunday on Easter. All right? We love you guys. Have a great night. Repent of your sin. All right. Love y'all.